The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how's it going, man? Oh, man. Never a dull day. Big, big, big happenings, biggest movements and shakings today. Well, um, we got we got a lot to uh, to talk about. Um, let's uh, let's start uh, with the um, let's start with the announcements that have kind of been uh, making their way out a little bit this week. Um, it's no secret AEW is going to be here Memorial Day weekend. And FSW was positioning themselves to be a major player with uh, some of the biggest companies, uh, independent companies in uh, the country. And uh, so far, you got a little bit of news on what's going on with those shows. Kind of fill everyone in on uh, all the uh, movings and uh, shakings of the last couple of days. Well, yeah, since uh, AEW is going to be here Wednesday for Dynamite, Friday for Rampage and Sunday for the pay-per-view. Uh, we feel that there's going to be way more wrestling fans than usual in town. And, you know, we already had solidified the deal with GCW, but of course we had to wait for them to make the announcement. You know, I kind of gave enough clues in there that people should have figured it out. So the marquee event will be GCW Saturday night at 8 p.m. at the Silver Nugget. Uh, our buddy Ed in San Antonio, he works for the Wrestling Observer. Uh, he usually comes out once a year or so and runs his poter shows, which are generally uh, mainly women's matches and stuff, some intergender things. So he'll be there Saturday at noon uh, for the first time. You know, we're waiting on confirmation, but there is most likely at 11 a.m. on Saturday, we're talking about a Q&A uh, with some people love him. Some people hate him. Dave Meltzer. So, you know, that's going to be a busy day. And then we have a 4 p.m. time slot that we're still figuring out where we're going to go on that. Uh, Friday, uh, because of the timing, we're able to lock in two shows because Rampage starts at 3 o'clock to taping. So uh, we're going to be announced it anyway. So I'm going to say it now at 730 FSW and Revolver, Sammy Callahan's company, uh, will be doing a versus show. So it's FSW against Revolver. So, you know, we're looking at some of the big names from Revolver. You know, I know he was talking, you know, guys like an Ace Austin, a Rich Swan, a Jessica Havoc, you know, talking about the uh, talking about the Wolves. You know, we're looking, you know, trying to get that dream match, yo, the, the Briscoes against the Wolves, you know, yeah. main event anywhere. 
You know, then we're talking about, obviously, on our end, the Hammerstone, Chris Bay's crosses. So that should be an extremely entertaining show. But then today we also uh, locked in uh, one of the rising promotions of the Midwest, Black Label Pro. They're going to be here for a late night 11 p.m. show on uh, Friday night, May 27th. And if that isn't enough, it's not all. So we're also looking at doing something Thursday evening, being that with the fans in town Wednesday, uh, maybe they want to see some good wrestling on Thursday. So we'll be involved with that. We're still figuring out what that might be. And we had huge success uh, SummerSlam weekend when it was FSW versus GCW at 12 o'clock for a SummerSlam show that started at 5 p.m. So we have penciled in another 12 p.m. start, and we're looking to see what partners. You know, we've talked with uh, WAC from Washington. Uh, we also talked with Booker T. So in reality of wrestling. And we also talked about GCW, Black Label, and uh, Sammy maybe doing, you know, marquee matches and from each company. And, you know, basically it's six or seven matches that are basically main events on any show. So, you know, we're still ironing that out. But Friday and Saturdays at the Nugget, Silver Nugget, and Thursday and Sunday will be uh, at the FSW Arena. Uh, also on Saturday, we're trying to put together a kind of like a fan fest type thing with meet and greets and signings and stuff like that. You know, the main cog is that we can get Booker T involved. Uh, he's very interested. We just got to make it work. And now all of a sudden we got, you know, our local superstars and guys like D'Lo Brown, who's around town and the Godfather and Greg DeHammer, Valentine and Sabu, you know, they all live here. So yeah. it might be uh, some cool stuff because, you know, GCW is always going to bring in that legendary Ricky Morton or too cold Scorpio or, you know, Scotty too hottie. You know, there's a lot of guys that, you know, X-Pac, I know he got injured again, but you know, he lives in LA. Maybe we can get him to do a signing also, you know? So, Along with our, our, you know, crew, Black Label's crew, Sammy's crew, you know, and GCW's crew, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of people that can uh, sign that people are going to be interested in. So, you know, honestly, I'm looking at this as, you know, you, you like to say it and, you know, last year was like, oh, it was the biggest weekend in, in, in. Vegas wrestling. It, it really was. Yeah. We had SummerSlam, uh, GCW packed the house, and FSW, GCW packed the house. Now we got six or seven shows with AEW that's already sold out their pay-per-view on the Sunday. So right. this was without a doubt going to be a huge weekend, you know? And when you look at it from the perspective of, you know, essentially – uh, I, it's hard to say WrestleMania in comparison because WrestleMania is, you know, massive in terms of, you know, how many people and the presence of everything and oh, 89 you know. shows this year, by the way, 
89. Wow. 89 shows. Cause I was talking with Sammy Callahan about it and we were just talking about the value and we were definitely interested. And he's like, yeah, there's a, some guy, Phil Stamper or something like that. I believe his name is. And he posted, you know, all the WrestleMania shows. And wow. he said, Sammy, that there was 89 of them. So, and the thing is, there were some last year that you saw some pictures. You know, there's 30, 40 people there. You know, it yeah. used to be a really big deal. But now, you know, the GCW show will draw for sure. And probably the WrestleCons. But there's a lot of people that are just going down there and running a show at some random bar that's going to let him do it. And it's going to be hard to draw a crowd. Which is going to be interesting, too, because this is essentially um, the first WrestleMania weekend past COVID, because last year um, there still weren't as many people. There was uh, the travel ban was still in place. Um you know, and it was a smaller um, allotment for people to come into the stadium as well for WrestleMania. So it's going to be interesting to see with, you know, 100,000 people or so for just that stadium, um, what kind of uh, ticket sales, you know, people are actually going to be able to get. And um, also, I think what's interesting, too, is you're seeing other outside events um in terms of not just wrestling but these various q a's um you know and comedy shows and podcasts uh do you see yourself uh if something like this aew weekend goes well and aew does make it kind of a um a yearly show here in vegas for double or nothing which it seems like it's going to be could you see yourself um, having more, you know, hands in more different pies uh, and trying to, you know, produce even more content where the fans can uh, get that almost WrestleMania-like experience? Um, because it it's on its way already in, in planning and hearing about it to be, um, let's say, a rival to, you know, uh, as big as uh, what, you know, you can get without it being WrestleMania. You know, five years ago, you probably couldn't say that, but, but now you can, because, you know, look at WrestleMania, you know, back in the day, you know, impact T you know, ring of honor. They didn't want to mess with the WWE thing. They were their own entity. And somebody picked up on the idea of running WrestleMania weekend. And all of a sudden there was success. And now you got New Japan. You got Impact. You even have Ring of Honor running their first show in months. And then, you know, GCW has got the collective. Then there's WrestleCon. So obviously, why wouldn't you want to run in a town that's going to have over 100,000 wrestling fans that weekend if you put together a good enough card then there's no reason why fans will not show up you know they showed up to fsw versus gcw you know what i mean and it's like a lot of that gcw crowd isn't the wwe crowd so 
even though there's going to be less fans, say, AEW weekend than WWE, the majority of AEW fans know exactly who Davey Richards, who Eddie Edwards, who the Briscoes, who Cross, Chris Bay, Sammy Callahan, all those super indie guys, Shane Strickland, Rich Swan, you can name them forever. There's so many of them that if you're an AEW fan, you're well aware of who these guys are. So all of a sudden, there's this marquee matchup that you have never been able to see anywhere. Throw into the fact that as big a company as Impact is on a national basis, if we make the right offer, we could have Moose on the show. We could have Josh Alexander on the show. And there's a good chance some of those guys will be. So you're going to have as good a roster working that entire week as they would with AEW. So, of course, the fans, you know, they got their money, man. They're loaded up. So, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend. That's the thing I hate about it because looking at flights and looking at hotel rooms, (laughs) but these dudes, they're going to be spending fucking five days in town, you know? Obviously not everybody, but there's people who are going to come in on Wednesday that are going to stick around till Monday morning or Sunday night. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Go up and down the strip? Sure. Or they're going to watch a wrestling show that has, you know, the Briscoes against the Wolves or the Hardys or, you know, hopefully we have something that good. But either way, there's going to be just so much shit tons of talent that people that were champions everywhere are going to be on that show. And some of them, you know, obviously people are going to want to make sure I know I would GCW would, you know, want to make those first time matchups that people haven't seen before in a draw. You know, that's why it's going to be more of the FSW Mecca versus Revolver. You know, it's the it's it's the best of the best, you know, going to be on those shows. So, you know, we're looking forward to seeing our guys and Hammerstone and Bay and Cross and all them because. You know, a guy like Bay, a guy like Hammerstone, you know, Hammerstone worked Revolver. Bay's worked GCW, you know. They, right. they, there's so much talent. So now it isn't like, oh, okay, you know, it's an FSW show. Ah, I spent enough money to go to AEW. Well, you're getting, you know, go look at the top 100, and you're going to probably have 50 or 60 of those dudes in town that weekend. And, again, yeah. not all of them are for our show, but there's going to be a bunch for AEW. And it's just like when people came to the Mecca after Ring of Honor, they weren't, oh, okay, Friday, Saturday, I'm exhausted. Oh, shit, there's a show that's got, you know, Brian Cage and Keith Lee and Sammy Callahan and John Morrison and Cross and and this guy and that guy and the other guy and, you know, Matt Riddle and and Tom Lawler and guys that are well-renowned throughout the, the independent world. So those people stuck around an extra day or left later that night to watch that show. So we're hoping the same thing happens here. Plus a lot of those companies, uh, a black label, you know, they're out of the Midwest, but who's to say that a bunch of people from Chicago aren't coming to AEW weekend anyway. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you got those crew GCW travels amazingly. They're like the Wisconsin of the independent wrestling scene. You know, that's why UNLV took the payday <coughs> because yeah. they knew, you know, Wisconsin was going to fill up Sam Boyd Stadium when nobody else gave a shit. 
because they would they would come from Wisconsin and come out of Vegas for the weekend. Yeah. And and we saw that at GCW the last few times they've been out. So people from Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, California, you know, they're all going to be headed this way. So, you know, if you give them what you want, what they want, they're going to come to it. So it's our job as promoters to put out a product that people are like, oh, shit, man. You know, I wanted to go to the strip and see Chris Angel. Fuck it. I'm going to the wrestling show. <laughs> well, and, you know, it's kind of uh, a nice little side note that when you uh, look at uh, being at the Silver Nugget, well, it's a casino. So you have to walk by machines when you're going into the entrance of the, you know, the venue. So it's, you know, you can take care of certain things that you might want to do when you get into town, like gamble, um, by simply, you know, hey, getting uh, the all-day, you know, festivities at Silver Nucket on Saturday, it's a perfect uh, opportunity. Um, when you think about uh, potential matchups, too, uh, you look at guys like Matt Cardona, who's currently collecting belts, uh, could we potentially see someone like him possibly wrestle for, let's say, the Nevada State Championship? You know, everything is possible. Everything's on the table. But to be honest, you know, there's guys you're thinking of in your head. But I haven't approached anybody yet because I, I, I'm extremely focused on getting this, you know, done. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. as we speak, you know, we always air the next day. So throughout the day, I've been on numerous calls with, you know, talking to Black Label, talking to GCW, you know, talking to Sammy Callahan, trying to figure out exactly what we're going to do. And, you know, he's got an idea of, you know, his core group of guys. Well, his core group of guys are not going to be guys that nobody knows because, Right. Sammy has done an amazing job training people and, you know, we, there, he has so many guys that he's probably going to have to narrow it down because if you take Sammy, you take Havoc, you take uh, Rich Swan, you take Ace Austin, AC Romero, uh, you know, Shane Strickland. These are all guys that kind of went through the cycle and have worked, you know, numerous shows. Josh Alexander works Sammy shows. So he's got to decide which guys he's going to use. Black Label's got their crew, you know. I believe Jake Something is their champion. Tom Lawler wrestles, uh, was is one, either is or was one of their champions. He's local. So I'm pretty certain I'm going to use him. He's going to use him. So you're going to see guys, but they're going to get different matchups, and you're going to get to see some super indie matchups that you may have never seen before. So, you know, GCW. They always travel with their crew. So you know you're going to see Nick Gage at the show. And you know you're going to see Effie. And you're going to see the second gear crew. And there's a good chance you're going to see Ricky Morton and Two Cold Scorpio. And they like bringing in in legends every once in a while. All these different guys that, you know, GCW should be getting a check from PCO. You know, if if it wasn't for GCW, you know, that guy all of a sudden... After what he did in GCW, he became one a hot commodity. So, you know, there's guys that we both want to use, and there's different thoughts of what we're going to do. We don't want to oversaturate everything, 
But I'm right. pretty certain, you know, if I got Brian Cage coming in, uh, we're not going to have him work, you know, Effie three times that weekend. You know what right. I mean? It, it'll be three different shows, three different matchups, you know, things that people can be excited about. I, I know I am. You know, I, I'm, I'm just trying to get everything solidified. The contract's actually signed for the Nugget, you know. So it's like, all right, now it's step two. And step two is acquiring, you know, what talent we're going to do. You know, I've talked to some people like Matt Vandegrift, for example, now that he lives in Florida. Like, hey, bro, this is what we're doing. He's like, oh, don't worry, Joe. You know, I'm, I'm going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's it's exciting to to think about the possibilities and, and what is all coming together. Um, as we you know, as we think about um, when you when you take the time to just kind of look at the fact that there's going to be so much in terms of the marquee matchups. What is your um, how do you deal with the fact that you're going to have some bruised egos of people who might not be at that level yet, might be still on their way up, might not be ready for that level, etc., who might have a, a little bit of a bruised ego and, and feel that they might be getting, um, you know, a little sandbag, no opportunity because, you know, Joe's not giving me the chance and them not realizing, well, you know, look at what's at stake here and how you're trying to get people in versus, you know, where you are as a professional wrestler. How do you approach that? And how much more of a headache is that when you have, uh, you know, a bunch of FSW guys who are obviously going to be going, Joe, 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 I want this, I want that. Well, you know, it, it happens now, you know, I've tried to tell people like, Hey, we got a lot of guys. So don't think you're going to be on every show. Our best guys aren't on every show. Our heavyweight champion Hammerstone's not on every single show. You know what I mean? It's like, we're trying to space it out. We try to make the biggest shows, the biggest guys, but it's also setting up whatever angle we might have going on. If there's a storyline, if I have a random match where a certain guy fits that spot better than the other. And you know, when it comes to FSW versus GCW or Revolver, well, now you have to take the amount of matches on the show and divide it by two because their guys are representing the other half of the roster. So if you're on the borderline, you know, if anybody doesn't know that there's a pecking order of top guys, well, then you're delusional to the business. Obviously, my heav my heavyweight champion, my Nevada State champion, my tag champions, my no limits champion, women's champion, whatever it is, the champions are generally going to get on almost every big show. So now you're going to pick and choose. For example, the GCW show, we did a, a tag match because I figured, hey, we do one big match. And we do like a six-man tag or an eight-man tag. I couldn't even tell you what it was. But I know it was like the second gear crew and Jimmy Lloyd. So I, think, I believe it was a four-on-four. Four. And was, we yeah. had like a potpourri of Gregory Sharp, Jacob Austin Young, uh, Graves, and, and I Toa. believe somebody else. It was Toa. 
because of the no. term. There you go. That turncoat bastard. And that's right. Juicy was on the other side. Right. So, you know, that was an opportunity to where they might not have had enough room for singles matches that we put together an eight man tag and we got that going. And, you know, Remy was our Nevada state champion. So we had him wrestle uh, Atticus and we did a women's match. And Cody was big on trying to get that opportunity to work Nick Gage. But Jacob Austin Young didn't really want to work a death match like Cody did. So we put Funny Bone in there. But we got Jake a different spot because those are guys, they've been around a long time. So, you know, a lot of times, hey, participation trophy, seniority doesn't mean anything. No, so not seniority doesn't mean anything per se. But seniority means something if you're really good and he's really good and you've worked for me for 10 years and he's worked for me for two and there's only one spot available, he's probably going to get the spot. Now, it also depends on the situation, but it's probably going to lean, you know, 70-30 to the guy who's been there the long amount of time. You know, it's kind of like, you know, shows we've done recently, certain guys. You know, we had the Mecca, you know. Hey, Gregory Sharp, you know, hot as a firecracker. He didn't get to work the show, you know. Late things happen with Toko Uso that put Death Proof on the show where I wanted to at least make sure they were going to be on the show, but initially they were going to be part of the pre-show match. And then I moved them into it because either way they deserve to be on the show. So I was going to add another match to give guys who have put forth the effort they had and the loyalty to FSW. And of course they were, you know, good enough. So it wasn't like, oh, okay, you know, he helped set up the ring. I'm going to put him on the show. You know, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. You know, Cody's been with us from day one. Jacob Austin Young, you know, has been a mainstay, you know, tag champion, no limits champion. You know, you, you see what I think of him. I gave him Davey Richards in a one-on-one match. And, you know, it's been one of the best matches so far. Not that we've had tons in, into March, yeah. but that, that's definitely a front runner you know, for match of the year. So the idea is, unfortunately, some of the younger guys may not get on the bigger shows, but we're we're trying to do some spotlight shows. You know, a Sunday afternoon show may feature a, a little bit more of the younger talent because, you know, it isn't that a Nick Xander or a Brett the Thread or a Sky High or, or any of these guys that are, that are cruising along the Shogun and heroes, whatever, it doesn't mean that they're not capable or they're not deserving. You know, it, it just comes to the numbers game. If for some reason, uh, Sammy's able to put together the Briscoes against the American wolves. Unfortunately, that's going to leave somebody out and, you know, we're going to try our best. There's, there's numerous shows, you know, <clears throat> black label, is probably going to use some FSW talent. Sure. You know, Sammy's already said, you know, he knows the J Vidals and he knows, you know, some of these guys he's on impact. So even though he's not been wrestling because of his injury, he's aware of, you know, who's doing things in the business. And Sammy is going to go right to me and, you know, ask me to recommend, Hey, what are you looking for, Sammy? Hey, I need this type of guy. Hey, I need, you know, a big heavyweight to wrestle AC Romero, you know? So at that point, I'm probably not going to give him Nick Xander. You, you know what I mean? So it's, 
trying to get the best matchups, you know, trying to keep everybody happy. But again, the bottom line is my job isn't to keep everybody happy. You know what I mean? My job is to do the best that I can. And if you're good enough, you'll force your way into the, into the show. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, if you don't, well, then you probably force your way into the next one. You know, guy like Graves, who's been a champion, pretty much every championship, you know, we've had, he, he wasn't on the Mecca, you know, right. it, it just didn't work out to, to how it would be. And it's kind of like, Hey, if we did natural born killers, you know, Graves 99% would be on that show and Hammerstone probably wouldn't, you know, it's no harm, no foul. The, the thing is most of the egos come from the younger guys right. because they feel slighted before a guy like Hammerstone. You know, Hammerstone understands the business. He understands, just like I understand he's got to take other bookings. And it's like, hey, here's some dates in advance. You know, see, if, try to get me one. That's what I've always asked of him. You know, right. we got two two to three shows a month. One's usually a future shock, so it's not that big a deal. But like, hey, try to get me that one show a month. And in February, he did the Mecca, and then he did the High Octane. So he made both shows. You, you yeah. know what I mean? So because that's how Hammerstone is. And, you know, not everybody's going to do that. You know, Remy Marcel, ah, he didn't work the future shock. That's OK. You know, he's working this show, you know. Right. And, and I also get messages from guys like I posted the next whatever it was uh, up until the anniversary in June. So we got a future shock, April 9th. A future shock May seventh. Uh, then we have the anniversary in June. We have the events in May, and we have another high octane type show April twenty third. Well, you know, I got messages from Brett the Thread and Nick Xander and Sky High, and hey, I'm good for most of these dates. Hey, I can't make this one. Hey, I can't make that one. And that's great. I know not to book them, but they also need to be understanding that when you're booked somewhere else and you can't make our date. That's fine. But if I'm booking a show and on that show, I don't need you particularly for that event. Don't be fucking all whiny face crybaby. Like, oh, you know, I told you I was available. Like, oh, okay, so let me stop everything. You're available on this show. So let me make sure you're on it. But the next show, when I kind of did need you, you can't make it too fucking bad. That's not how it works. You know, I've had to do that and try to let people know more. And that's on me because a lot of the, the student guys and they're not students, you know, sky high is not students anymore, but they're on the students page and they come and they train and, you know, fresco and all these guys to where it was almost kind of like an assuming thing to where Matt, you work a bunch of my shows. So we have a show April 9th and I don't really let you know oh by the way hey you're good for the ninth it's almost like i'm expecting you to be there and you're kind of expecting to be booked right and it's kind of like i had to stop doing that because there's guys who thought they would be booked and i never told them and then there was guys that were booked that i just thought they were going to be there and they weren't they're like oh i remember one time it's like where's fucking ricky tenacious oh he's in california and it's like, I can't be mad at him because I didn't say, hey, specifically, Ricky, you got a match today. <laughs> but I expect that core group of guys to just be there. 
And right. I've had to stop that because, you know, it's unfair to them. And it's unfair because, you know, it's my job. Just like if I'm going to book, you know, Hammerstone or Graves or Class or Eli Everfly or any of these guys. Hey, guys, I got a show on June 14th. I need to know if you're available. Yes or no. You know, and then they'll let me know. And then I know they're booked. But like yeah. I would always think. Damian Drake's available. I think Matt Vandergriff was available. You know, I think Cody's available. Remy, you know, whatever it is. And then there's, you know, there's always that chance that somebody turned down a booking thinking they were booked. And now all of a sudden it was like, oh, sorry, I don't got nothing for you. Right. And which is, which is fair um, because there's no resentment at that point then. Um in, in thinking, well, now Joe is costing me bookings, um, you know, so you that's know, contrary to what uh, some people want to believe. I do give a shit. You know what I mean? I, I, I try my best to look out for people. It's like, hey, you know, we got something going on. I know we talked about doing uh, the anniversary show on June 18th, which is a Saturday night. And I was talking with Jay Vidal and he was booked the 17th. And he was trying to figure out he had to make sure he was going to get here in time, you know, late show, whatever it was. And I told him, I said, hold off. Uh, we might actually be doing the show on a Sunday. So it's like I don't want him to give up something or have to do something if he doesn't have to do it. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like I try to make sure it's enough for everybody to where there's more than enough time to make arrangements you know, I know Damian Drake, for example, he's booked Saturday and he was supposed to have a late flight out and he asked his promoter and it's like, dude, it's Vegas. So whether you're coming from the East Coast or the West Coast, you know, there's no reason why you should still be stuck without being on a show getting into Vegas at nine o'clock at night. You know what yeah. I mean? So they rearrange stuff and he's coming in around two. The show's at six. Everything's good to go, you know booking him on a flight to save $12 and making him come in at eight or nine o'clock at night. What's he supposed to fucking do all day in some strange town without a car and anywhere to get anywhere. You know what I mean? It's right. like now he can make the show because the worst thing you want to do is take a booking that now covers two days. Nobody's paying you for two days. They're paying you yeah. for the one day. And now they ruined your opportunity to take a Sunday book. Yeah. And I try never to do that with the flights. And if it is, it's like, hey, if there's a big difference, I, I've hit up guys uh, like that in the past. I remember the Rascals, uh, Wentz and, and, and Desmond Xavier. And they're like, hey, bro, uh, can you just drop us off at the strip? And I'm like, fucking A right. I'll drive my car. I'll pick them up and I drive them to the strip. And five hours later, I got to pick them up and drive them to the airport. You know, I don't expect them to, to do it themselves. It's like, hey, you did me a favor. You didn't have to get on a nine o'clock flight. But since it's the two years, you know, the flight was 149 each instead of 259 each. Yeah. And for $220, I'll, I'll be your taxi and spend nine dollars worth of gas, you know? Yeah. Um, and all no, that's it's very fair, especially with the fact that so many guys right now from Vegas are getting booked all around the country. And that's uh, been a tremendous, um, you know, showing for 
how quickly, you know, some of the young guys are developing, um, how much more attention guys like Cody and, and, uh, and, uh, Jacob Austin young are getting, um, it's, it's just really cool to see them get the opportunities to get better, to win belts at other, you know, uh, promotions, and then to be back here and being able to take care of business as well. Um, it just is a way to, you know, get them more experience and also to, um, you know, build that fan base so that people who do live in Washington or, you know, LA, or if they're coming here for an event like AEW weekend, then they're kind of familiar with some of these guys as well, which makes it even more fascinating because could you imagine this type of atmosphere 12 years ago when you started? Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's kind of crazy, but it was different because we didn't have a wrestling school. So we had to get talent. And there hadn't been wrestling in Vegas when we did it in 2009, really, for a long time. Rush ran a wrestling school, and he did student showcases on a Friday night that I was involved with. But there was never any localized events in, you know, because of the uh, thing. It was a free show just to try to get the younger guys an ability to work. And the only guy that we knew that was really going out consistently in, in that time period was funny bone, you know? And that was when we were trying to do Vegas extreme where, you know, all the guys we brought in were, were top notch, the Bison Smiths and the ACE steals and Snooker jr. And Derek Nykirk and Mike Knox, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, ended up making it in the business. Half of those guys went on. It was funny because we always talk about UPW, like half of those guys were working that show, that Arizona crew, Navajo, Gallo, Nykirk, they were working our shows. They were working those shows. And then up north, it was the Mike Modests and that crew. And then, you know, also Knox was part of that Arizona crew that worked both places. So, you know, it was just funny, you know, how that kind of, how it was to where, you know, they were doing similar things with the that type of talent. Yeah. So it wasn't until we got the wrestling school, you know, when we did our first show, you know, guys like Cutthroat Cody, you know, was on it. He was training at a different wrestling school. There was a couple other guys that were training at different wrestling schools. We didn't have one. Legacy had a training school. You know, we put a bunch of their guys in the uh, Battle Royal. And then the very first match was a student showcase, which was the exchange for him giving us the ring rental for free. And yeah. Mike Delight was actually the referee in the match. Uh, Sugar Brown was wrestling as Tommy Danger. Uh, he was about the only one who really went on to really good success after that. But there was a kid showtime and a couple other guys, I don't even remember, uh, that were part of that. But we didn't start a school. Let's see. We did that first show Memorial Day weekend in 2009. Uh, we didn't open a school for a while. And like I said, the school didn't open at a wrestling school. It opened up in my backyard. You know, we, we took my we, we finally bought a ring from Victorville. We brought it down, set it up in my backyard. 
all the slobs were changing in my bathroom, smelly ass motherfuckers, you know, and, you know, wife wasn't having that for too long. We had to get a place. So, you know, we ended up getting a place on Boulder Highway. And again, as time progresses, all of a sudden, you know, people start walking through the door that, you know, you have no knowledge. You know, Tyshawn Prince came from a different spot. He came with Jay Cash, who, who had a lot of experience. Tyshawn, you know, became our first monster. But, you know, guys like Kenny King, who was a local celebrity type wrestling guy, was our first champ. Then we were supposed to put it on Nykirk, but some issues happened. And then Mike Modest got it. Uh, then a guy from Texas who used to make his way out here, Franco D'Angelo. And then Alcatraz. And then we really got put on the map when it was Alcatraz and Tyshawn Prince in the steel cage match, the first one we ever did, you know? And then as those times progressed, now all of a sudden, you know, a lot of the young trainees who you see now have, you know, really started to blossom. And, you know, you see the Sugar Browns and the Cody's and Remy who had training and Funny Bone who had training. But now, man, you know, because I'm going to credit Lacey. I'm going to say, you know, she she was bouncing around in Utah. Coming to FSW really catapulted her career. But yeah. guys like Jay Vidal, you know, he trained with Gangrel, but he became a star here. Vandegrift, Damian Drake, you know, a lot of these younger guys. Shogun, Hero, you know, these are guys that you can put on all the big shows. And Chris Bay and Cross, you know, all these guys – they got their training from FSW. So you can bitch, you can complain, you can try to compare yourselves, but Sefafatu, you know, these are all guys that trained with us. You know, it's easy to say, you know, I remember back in the day with Rush, uh, he had a guy named Cowboy Scott Casey who worked world-class, chopper right. guy in WWF, but he was credited as the trainer for Booker T and Stevie Ray. Well, that's cool. Who else did he train that made it? Well, nobody, but he's still considered a good trainer. He trained Booker T. Well, we've trained like 30 motherfuckers that have like gone on to do shit. You you know what I mean? And it's like, so obviously we're doing something right, you know, and then you get a new crop and you got, you know, the Brett, the threats and the Nick Xanders who have made Bodie, you know, just 14 years old, you know, and and you look at everybody on our shows, Suavecitos, you know, Lazarus, whatever it is, these guys started with us. And every weekend, a majority of them, even Gregory Sharp, when he was like 20 years old, you know, he had some training in San Bernardino, I believe, with Jesse Hernandez. But the majority of his time has has been as a, an FSW competitor, yeah. you know, and. Fresco and and Ice Williams, you know, it's like it's a who's who, yeah. Of of all these guys who've had really good success working independent shows throughout the uh, the West Coast, and some of them are even getting you know love elsewhere. Maserati, you know, she's getting love going to Florida, going to Impact, going to Ring of Honor, whatever it is, you know. So, you know, if you. You have to be proud of that. You know what I mean? And and nobody nobody can fucking, you know, downplay the legacy 
that FSW is built in wrestling in Las Vegas. Yeah, and it seems that, um, you know, I think one of the one of the principles that we learned in California was that you went about doing things the right way. And I think that that's one of the things that's, you know, instilled by the trainers at FSW is that idea of, um, you know, when you walk into a new place um, and even if you've gone there a few times, you're always respectful. It's, it's a yes, yes, sir situation. Um, And I think it, shows because when you see the work and then you see the person behind the work that's what's really i think spotlighting a lot of the talent is the fact that it's not just that they're talented in the ring they're decent human beings who love this business and are getting you know the opportunities to um to show themselves and, and to grow and to get that reputation and everything comes back then to, to Vegas looking uh, good and FSW's reputation being very well. Um, High Octane is coming up this Sunday, 6 p.m. It's going to be a pretty uh, damn solid show right now. Uh, man, uh, Remy Marcel and Greg Sharp, um, that could very well without seeing it on paper that could be one of the uh contenders for match of the year i think that uh you know the everything that's been set up between them two for the last year or so um has really played well into where they are now for this match um do you do you anticipate a little bit of a barn burner between the two of them well, you know they they they've been running the circuit. You know they've been they've been wrestling in uh, Arizona. Also, they know each other well. They've they've basically been in FSW for a very very long time. And you know the last time they had an actual match was when Gregory Sharp was Hyperstreak. So you know he has come full circle to where he is now. And obviously, you know I know he wouldn't, but. It's almost crediting Remy Marcel uh, because after what he did to Gregory Sharp, it it it's it clicked something uh, switch in his head, and it's really made him, you know, a totally different wrestler. You know, yeah. you know he's so aggressive now, and not worrying about anything other than focusing on beating the shit out of somebody, <laughs> and you know he is finally getting that opportunity once again, you know, he was so close to finally winning uh, a championship in FSW and now he's going to get that championship. And the thing is, if, if he doesn't win the Nevada state title from Remy Marceau, where does he go? You know, everything has been built for this. And now if he can't pry the belt from Remy Marcel, you know, he's probably not going to be a happy camper. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, Toko Uso defending the uh, tag titles uh, as of now. <laughs> let's, let's just preface and knock on wood. Uh, and uh, MK will be there. Uh, and, uh, man, it's an opportunity for uh, Hero and Shogun, who, man, uh, boy, if you go back and you watch uh, just, you know, just 
follow a couple progression progressions on the network um, to see how a each of them have developed individually, but b how they've started to mold together as a team. Um, man, it it seems like the opportunity is set up. Um, are those two guys two of the guys that you look at and you go? because of the size of them, because of the talent that they have, that the potential of those two going to, let's say an impact um, or an MLW within the next year or two is in the cards, just based on what, what they have in terms of, you know, look, size, talent, uh, and just the, the progression of their development. You know, the thing is with those guys, it's these are two friends, okay? They work out together. There's that whole crew, you know, Bay's in there, Sefa was in there, and all those guys were working out and things like that. You know, Hero started probably before Shogun, but he tore his ACL and he was out for a while, you know? And in that time, Shogun became the rookie of the year, and Hero had, you know, couple of matches he was in a he was in one of the against all odds rumble that when he came back he was still eligible to be rookie of the year and then he won the rookie of the year and then it seemed like he kind of plateaued for a little while like wasn't sure if he was getting it you know because now all of a sudden the competition's a little stiffer and he was struggling a little bit uh, but with those guys working together you know, I saw them in a, in a Halloween Battle Royal work together, which is kind of odd in a Halloween Battle Royal playing different gimmicks. But they came out as the APA and, you know, matching gear. They had everything. They had the look and the crowd loved it. It seemed like they were having a lot of fun, you know, being together. The issue I had was Shogun had just come off uh, the run with Kenny King. That was absolutely no run. The pandemic hit. Things got changed. We finally get Kenny, but it would be like, oh, okay, we're going to set it up. He's going to do uh, the singles match with Damian Drake, and then we're going to do the tag title match. And then all of a sudden there was another shutdown, and it was just like back and forth to where, you know, they won the belts at no escape. They defended them against the uh, the RMB at the last Mecca show in March, and they right. basically held the titles for a year without ever defending them. And, you know, that's – you know, not nobody's fault because we didn't run that many shows, but Shogun was a little sour on, you know, doing the tag team thing. But he, you know, did it because that was the perfect spot for him. Plus Shogun and Hero were such good friends. You know, he knew Hero wasn't going anywhere and he he's pretty much going to make the shows and, you know, you know we're running consistently. And getting to be in matches with guys like Toa and and uh, and Juicy, you know, we had a, a number one contenders match, and they beat the shit out of each other. It ended up in a count out or whatever it was. So then we had a three way tag for the belts that anybody could have won. Toa and Juicy won them, and you know, Shogun and Hero have just been churning. Man, they've been getting those matches that they didn't have before. And now yeah. they're getting that opportunity to to work together and put together some stuff. And now they really gelled. So, 
you know, because you need to be at the top of your game to beat a team like uh, Toko Uso. But that's why maybe they couldn't do it four months ago, six months ago. You know, I remember it was I was in New York at the time. It was the one show that I actually missed, you know, after my mom passed and I was watching it on the network. So that was in October. I believe it was the Halloween show. It was November, December, January, February, March. That's five months. So they've had five months of getting to work matches consistently. So, you know, if if they're ever going to be ready, they're ready now. So, you know, right. that is going to be the main event of the show, the tag title match between uh, Toko Uso and TBD. <laughs> um, and uh, you've got a, a really uh, interesting, I believe it's a, a four-way uh, number one contenders match for the um the no uh, limits no limits right um so we we're getting a chance to see uh bodie mix it up with uh gatson which just in itself just kind of is exciting to see what uh gatson might do with with uh with that young buck but then you got eli everfly coming back which is exciting as hell and then am i correct is it funny bone funny bone yeah you know so let me ask you i was gonna say between (laughs) between funny bone gatson and eli there's probably Each, each one of them i believe has more experience than bodie is age wise yes because I know Funny Bone's over 20 years, and yeah. Gatson started with us, and he had already been around since 2009. He worked one of our first shows at the Silver Nugget when he worked Brian Cage in 2009. So that alone's 13 years ago, and he had been working. So he for sure, like Eli might be the only guy who isn't as old uh, or hasn't been as wrestling as old as Bodie is. But he's been wrestling a long time, time. and – He's probably done enough damage to his body. It's like he's been wrestling for 20 years. Uh, it's just exciting to think of what those four guys can do in, in the ring. And, um, you know, and Bodie's been getting a lot of, uh, you know, opportunities, which is, is great to see. Um, when you when you put together a match like that and you're able, because I know you're a huge fan of, of Eli's. You're a huge fan of Gatson's. And Funny Bone, of course, is, you know. Yeah, he's all right. He's yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Caljack just uh, posted a picture on Facebook earlier. Uh, apparently, Funny Bone and Caljack are roommates for WrestleMania weekend. Yes, I saw the Forrest Gump references. Funny in the suit like that. Yeah. I just I, I would love to uh just just man if they uh if they stream that for like five bucks uh it'd be all day entertainment. Um, I can't believe Funny Bone won't be now that you mentioned it, you know, he might be streaming it on his OnlyFans. So yeah, <laughs> yeah Caljack better uh <laughs> better realize that uh when the lights go out, uh he might want to make sure uh <laughs> There's not extra stuff going on there. Um, when you look at the match with four guys like that, do you think that this is an opportunity for 
and and obviously um they all understand um you know Bodie's growth they they understand that he's been around for you know s- 6 years or so already training and is way way more advanced than you know some people who are 22 years old or or 27 years old do you think that when that plays into that mindset of how a match plays out that he's going to get the opportunity with these guys to show why he has that type of value, that type of high stock value. Um, Because this, this really is, is good. It's probably one of the things I'm looking forward to most, you know, is seeing, um, you know, how he's able to mix in with, with that much uh, experience. Well, early on, I was always trying to protect Bodie. You know, I'd have him in a tag match with Sin, a tag match with Remy, you know, working some guys who have probably a little less training than him. And the thing was, you know, he he excelled at all those things. But then I'd watch him go elsewhere, and they threw him into the fire. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, me holding him back isn't going to help when everybody else is putting him in big positions. So... When an opportunity arises, you know, there's no more professional guy than Brandon Gatson. You know what I mean? Eli Everfly does some amazing things. And Funny Bone is Funny Bone. So it's like, this is a great opportunity for Bodie to see where he's really at. Because when you're wrestling guys that are your equivalent, it's hard to gauge yourself of, of where you're at. Now, has he been outstanding in what he's done? A thousand percent. But now he's going to go in there with with three of the best, you know, with different styles. And now he's going to have to adapt. And these veteran guys, hopefully, which that's my goal of putting them together, was to, you know, take Bodie along for the ride. And a match like that, should make Bodie understand what it's going to take to, to get to that next level. And if he could shockingly pull off the upset, well, you never know. I believe he worked Jay Vidal a few months back before Jay won the no limits title. So, but the, 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 the area of growth for, for Bodie at 14, you know, is tenfold compared to the average guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Because he's already been put in a good position. So, yeah. you know, usually guys that are in a year or two, 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, they're, they're putting somebody over. They're, they're, they're just getting an opportunity just to take an ass beating. Well, yeah. you know, Bodie has really risen the ranks and has gotten huge popularity because, you know, kid's 14 but he can do some super cool shit that i remember you know when we did the one show i think it was in the pre-show uh it might have been the anniversary or, or the show after and you know he goes up and he hits the 450 and i was in the area and you could see there was some people there that probably had not come to fsw shows before and they were like jumping out of their seat like holy fuck that kid looks like he's 14 and it's like, yeah, he ain't a midget. He's 14 years old. You know what I mean? It's like, and even at the arena, we've seen some people like, holy shit, you know? So, 
you know, this is a great platform for him. And, you know, FSW is his home, you know, trained from kids class scratch with, you know, Leon Hader to, you know, usually it's like, yeah, you're 15 or so, 14, you start. Yeah, you just turned 17. You know what? We'll let you come in on the uh, advanced class, you know, with the adults. And it's really hard because, you know, adults are adults. They're going to talk the way they want to talk. And, you know, unfortunately, we make sure the parents are okay, that there's going to be adult language situations, whatever. And, you know, Bodie's mom and dad, they were okay with it. And, you know, but everybody looks at him as a little brother. So they take him under their wing and, you know, guy like Sin Bodie, you know, goes out of his way to take care of Bodie, you know, you know, he could have been separated at birth. I don't know. You know what I mean? A lot of rumors going around. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, if, if, uh, if Bodie, uh, you know, if there's any, uh, reports of Bodhi having uh, chickens in his house, uh, then we we could probably narrow it down a little bit. So uh, <laughs> Maybe I could do the angle like uh, the boss man with uh, Pepe. Maybe I could uh, invite Sin over for chicken dinner. <laughs> oh, and if anyone listening, uh, just just to, to reference uh, Sin Bodhi, and his his new wife, Karen. Uh, Karen is a sweetheart. She actually saved a chicken uh, from from a street one day, and uh, they've uh, gladly raised the chicken amongst the other animals they have at their place. So, uh, I, I, I know you were at the wedding. So, can you confirm for me? I heard the chicken was the uh, the 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 bell. What is it? The the ring bearer. Ring bearer. That's true. Uh, you know un- unfortunately it's it's not true um uh. it's not true uh but uh i think the uh, i think the chicken actually took out edge uh for uh <laughs> edge and, and sin's brother for the best man duties so you know well, yeah you know christian wasn't there to do the run-in so <laughs> uh you know one other match that i i i found uh pretty fascinating is going to be uh Brett the Threat and Caljack. Um man I don't I don't know. I don't know who you know you, you got the kid who has the strut, he's got the stuff, he's got the mouth, he's got everything. And then Caljack's a freaking mountain of a man. Um do you do you think that this is the opportunity where the fans are just going to be hoping that uh, Brett the Threat is just uh, destroyed and possibly put out of action for a while? Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, we, we've heard things and people don't like Brett the Threat, obviously. And it's like, oh, about time, man, this kid's going to get humbled. And it's like, do you remember like Funny Bone killing him and it didn't stop him? And then Hammerstone killed him and it didn't stop him. So, you know. I think win or lose, it don't fucking matter. I think Brett the Threat is going to stay exactly how he is. And I, I think that's what strives him to be the best that he can be. You know, he is going to be, you know, outweighed by probably 70, 80 pounds. 
you know, Cal Jack's like six foot six. So he's got six, seven inches on him. So, you know, it is a feather in the cap. You know, Brett's a submission guy, man. If he could tap out Cal Jack, boy, that raises the stakes big time. And, you know, the difference is Brett the threat will do anything he can to win. Doesn't care about breaking rules and things like that. Cal Jack may, may not. I don't know. You know what I mean? I know he's a, you know, two-time Pac-12 wrestling champion. Yeah. But, as we also know, amateur wrestling and pro wrestling are, you know, totally different. You know, if the referee's not looking and Brett the Threat kicks Cal Jack in the balls, you know, how, how does he react to that? Because a guy like Brett the Threat, We'll kick him in the balls if he could. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, Cal Jack can go after him and he'll Brett the threat, even though he's just a you know, just getting into his second year, he's he's shysty enough to, you know, Cal Jack goes to hit him and ends up hitting the ref instead because you know, Brett the threat positioned him that way. And yeah. that's the one thing he's really adapted quickly from his MMA world. And as I said, the last time I saw him, he's really adapted his body as a pro wrestler and not yeah. the MMA guy who's trying to make weight. Now he's turning himself into a powerhouse who also can submit people. And, you know, Cal Jack at his size and sees a guy his size, Brett the Threat, mouthing off and being a fucking idiot and shit like that. You know, Brett, Cal Jack wants to beat the fuck out of out of Brett the threat, but does he think it's going to be an easy process? Like I'm going to make this motherfucker cry in agony. You know what I mean? And the worst thing that could happen is somebody overlooks a guy and I, you know, I'll tell anybody don't overlook Brett the threat. You know what I mean? Like no matter how he acts and, and no matter what he says or does, you know, he can definitely go and you know, Brett the, th- you know, Brett the threat doesn't really have a lot to lose. Cal Jack does. Yeah, and you know, I, I know people will probably uh, not really appreciate this, but in Brett, I see a lot of of uh, kind of a Roddy Piper, where you know he 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 can talk the talk, but he can back it up in the ring. And if he has to be dirty about it, he'll be dirty about it. But he's smart about things. Well, he'll poke and you right in the eyes. He don't care. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's fascinating to watch, and I can't wait to see those two uh, finally, uh, you know, hook up in the ring. Uh, anyone else on the card? Uh, any matches that you have, uh, you know, that you can announce uh, for uh, Sunday? Yeah, yeah, we have uh, Viva Band returns. Uh, she's taking on a newcomer from SoCal uh, who's been getting uh, a lot of work recently. Her name is Milo. So that's going to be a women's match that will probably be a qualifying match uh, for a women's tournament that we are putting together. So we just want to make sure we're going to have the, you know, the eight or so, you know, best people, best women, you know, in that match. So um, Nick Xander's on the card. Uh, we're still trying to finalize uh, 
you know, what's going to happen there. But, you know, we're looking at about eight matches, you know, offhand. I'm trying to think what we got. You know, we got Sharp and, and Remy. Uh, we got the tag title match. Uh, Hammerstone is has asked for some mic time to uh, discuss the uh, beatdown from Lights, Camera, Faction. So, you know, that's going to happen. Uh, the four-way, as we stated, with Eli Everfly, Gatson, Bodie, and Funny Bone, you know, for the uh, number one contender spot. So, you know, it should be another exciting night. Uh, we might be having some of uh, Juicy's boys coming down. So we might even add another tag match to that. Not 100% positive. But, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to make sure that the card is, is solid you know, from top to bottom. And, you know, I might be missing a match offhand that I can't. Oh, yeah, Damian Drake. Uh, he'll be wrestling uh, Ricky Ricky Gomez from the Suavecitos. Sure. So uh, that'll be another match that, you know, should be interesting to see uh, where Damian Drake ends up, you know, after he broke up with the Unguided and defeated Vandegrift in a Ironman match. He's kind of uh, laid low over the last couple months. So, you know, it's going to be questioning on uh, where, you know, he fits in and, and who, you know, who he's looking to wrestle against. Yeah, it's going to be a very, uh, a very solid card. Again, it's uh, this Sunday at 6 p.m. Uh, if you subscribe to the FSW Network, $69.99 a month, and uh, you can see High Octane uh on the uh on the network um and of course tickets are available uh look at uh the fsw website or uh hopefully uh you know come on down and uh just enjoy uh, a little sunday night uh wrestling before uh the uh week starts um as we uh kind of wrap up here joe uh any uh final thoughts any uh uh, anything going on this week or, or in the past week that uh, that uh, you might uh, want to share with the uh, audience? Not that I'm aware of. Is there something you know? No, no. I'm just you know, just uh, throwing. Yeah, you know, I like to. You know, I like I'm, I'm kind of you know got the blinders on and and trying to you know do things. Like I said, you know, despite the frustrations and the aggravations, sometimes you know you get the juices flowing, man, like AEW weekend, man, the juices are flowing. And the thing is, you get so excited about that. I can't forget about the show on Sunday. You know, the right. show on Sunday is a big deal. You know, the show on Sunday is going to also set up a lot of things for the anniversary show coming up in June. So, you know, we're looking at June 18th or June 19th. It's going to be the Saturday or the Sunday. And it's going to be, my favorite number, man, Lucky 13, the 13th anniversary. So, you know, maybe we're going to have a 13-man scramble this year. I don't know what we're going to do. You know, that's that's a tough number to, to do something. There, you know, maybe the Nick Bockwinkle uh, Memorial Battle Royal that we always do uh, will be a 13-man Battle Royal because I highly doubt we're going to do a 13-man cash in the case ladder match. Because that will return at the anniversary show. Uh, you know, last time the, uh, the the case was cashed in rather quickly. Yeah. So, 
we haven't had the case in a while. So it's always a fun ladder match. And just seeing some of the guys on the roster, man, just just the idea of having a ladder match is awesome. You know, maybe we'll call it the uh, the Razor Ramon ladder match or something. You know, a little tribute to, to sure. one of the greats. You know what I mean? Sure. And it's like, you know, there's so much going on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we had talked about uh, Scott Hall passing uh, at the last show, you know, it, it's just crazy how, you know, things work out, you know, with all the issues he had, you know, falls down, gets the hip surgery and it has nothing to do with the substance abuse or any of that stuff. And, you know, it, it's just a tragedy. Big E breaking his neck. I saw some stuff today they were posting about, you know, he could have had a stroke. He could have been paralyzed. You know, he got lucky. You know, in that situation, usually you don't say, hey, he got lucky. He only broke his neck. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it's a dangerous thing, you know, and the kids that are interested in doing it, man, FSW is definitely uh, the place to check things out. We try to be as safe as possible. You know, we got two crash pads. So when you want to be a fucking Randy Macho Man Savage and dropping elbows from the top rope, you don't have to worry about dislocating your elbow because you have no idea how to do it. And your elbow crashes into the canvas and you're like, fuck, I think. Why does my elbow look like that? You know? No, you know, I have to say that um, that the crash pads are one of actually the best advancements in the last 20 years. Because, you know, my neck is, is, you know, it's messed up. And it's because I can count, uh, you know, how many times, you know, taking a bump and learning, you know, how to do things and you don't make a rotation and you spike your neck or you, you know, dislocate your shoulder or you, you know, it's, it's really nice to see the, um, the safety factor. Um, I don't even think we had a first aid kit. So, you know, it, it, it was suck it up buttercup and, uh, you know, get back in there. And now, you know, that's, that's one of the, um, the most impressive things is that, um, you know, it's I got a boo-boo on my pinky. I got a boo-boo. I can't, I can't wrestle. I got a boo-boo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it's in some ways it's not as good as, as, you know, uh, as we, we, uh, liked it as the, uh, the, you know, but again, you know, here it is, you know, just old men just going, yeah, back in my day, it was much better. Yep, those kids today, I'll tell you, soft. <laughs> They're soft. Oh, ooh, so was that was that a hint? Are you, are you bringing an Enzo? Is that what we're gonna see? You never know. You know, I'm I'm really I'm really liking what uh, Big Cass has been doing lately. Oh Jesus, Morrissey, man, man, uh, talk about a guy. And again, you know, speaking of Scott Hall. Um, you know, Diamond Dallas Page, um, what he was able to help uh, W. Morrissey accomplish and in, in getting himself back into, you know, into shape, into that mindset. Um, it's just amazing uh, to see where he's he's coming. Uh, you know, he, the future is unbelievable uh, for him. Um, and it would be phenomenal to see him uh, maybe wrestle a across just saying oh yeah that that's definitely on my uh my my wish list you know 
I was thinking about that or Cardona on the East Coast if we did the show in Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be, I mean, that would be just, you know, it's it's amazing when you think of um when you think of how special, you know, guys like Cross are, and then you put them with someone like, you know, Morrissey or Cardona. It's it's mind blowing to think of how the WWE just, I mean, just dropped the ball. Just well, you know, he he did have issues. You know what I mean? That sure. You know, and even after that, he had a bunch of issues. I remember the thing with him and Janela. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, my that might be a match at GCW. Janela versus Morrissey. Well, doesn't uh, doesn't Janela? I think uh, doesn't he get his Joey Janela spring break uh, festival party? Uh, yeah, free agent as of May first, so I'm pretty sure we can use him. I talk to Joey a lot. You know, I, I like him. Yeah, yeah, he's one of he actually he's one of the more entertaining guys in in pro wrestling, and uh, yeah, AEW kind of missed the ball on him too, but you know. Uh, it's more important to get CM Punk on the roster, so I get it. But yeah. uh, <laughs> um, and finally, as we wrap up, Joe, uh, looks like uh, the uh, baseball season is getting into full swing. Um, they're sticking with apparently, if the owners approve it, this uh, <laughs> extra innings starting the runner on second oh, base. That is the fucking shits. I don't like, get it. You know, why don't we just have home run derby after 11 innings? Sir, you know sir. what I mean? It's like, what the fuck? Oh, this guy in second base. So it's like, I got a no hitter going into the 10th inning and a guy gets on second. The guy bunts him over to third, hits a sacrifice fly and they win the game one, nothing. And nobody's gotten a hit because the guy got placed on second base. The 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 base the pitcher doesn't even get charged with an earned run. It's like it never existed. It's like, you know, there's way more games that end in the tenth and eleventh inning than they do in the seventeenth inning. It's like, you know, I get it. You want to try to do these things, but guess what? People aren't like, oh shit. Well, I'm gonna go to the game today because if it goes in extra innings, I know it's gonna end sooner. Like, you leave when the fuck you want to leave anyway. So, what is the point? You know what I mean? These teams carry, like, 13 pitchers now. When I grew up, it was a crazy thing if a guy had 11. It was usually 15 players, 10 pitchers. And, you know, generally, unless the starting pitcher got fucking rocked, he was going 6-7 easy, you know, and then you have the setup man, and then the closer would come in. Now yeah. it's like, I'm in for one batter. I'm in for one batter. That that extra inning rule is so bad, but it still isn't the worst one because now you're telling me where I'm allowed to stand when a guy's at fucking bat, okay? Yeah. So now I don't understand. I guess everybody's got their egos, but – if you're a good home run hitter, you're going to hit 30 homers in a year, okay? So the shift ain't going to matter on those 30 homers you hit a year. So that's right. averaging every 5.3 games, you're going to hit one home run, okay? Right. And in those 
games, those the, those uh, five games, you probably struck out 14 times. Sure. Now, in baseball, the idea is to win a game. With the way the pitching is and everybody strikes out, there's a lot of one nothing, 2 to one games. If I'm a lefty batter and you want to put a shift on me, I'm hitting the ball, I'm stepping, I'm stepping, and I'm hitting it that way. So you don't put the that, – that used to happen in softball all the time when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah, Like in softball, if I was a right-handed hitter, nobody moved. You don't even know who I am. I'm a left-handed hitter. Everybody moves. Like you have no fucking clue. And I would just step and I'd go like that. I'm not looking at a homer over your, over your head. I'm trying to get on base for somebody else to get on base to, to score runs. So it, it's yeah. mind-boggling to me. But, you know, you got the, the Joey Gallows and the Rizzo's who hit the ball 93% of the time to that side. Guess what, motherfucker? Now it's an out. Too fucking bad. You know what I mean? It's like too bad. If I'm smart enough to play you and you're not going to adjust in any way. So so there's – you can't adjust, so we got to make the rules better for you because you can't adapt. Yeah. You know, what's the difference? You're still going to strike out 187 times. Like, how many people hit 300 these days? Fucking none. Like, one or two. It's like the worst hitters. It's like home run or nothing. So, the shift in all reality doesn't matter. Steal more fucking bases. Bunt somebody over. I hate the DH. Like, I like the DH in the American League, and I hate it in the National League because when there's guys that can hit as pitchers, that's your advantage. Yeah. I can hit. You can't, motherfucker. So now you got guys like Otani, who's one of the best hitters in baseball. You know what? You know how much of an advantage that is if every other pitcher has to hit? That's the yeah. advantage. Be a full fucking player. Hate and that they, shit. Hate that shit they, about They just passed the essentially the Otani rule now, too where if you are a pitcher who is penciled in as the DH as well, if you're pulled from the game as the pitcher, you can still remain as the DH. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's it's only a rule for one person. Yeah. Until this next generation, they say, I got to think they're getting ahead of this one because they're not because you know what, when Otani gets pulled as a pitcher, you stick him in the fucking field. So it doesn't matter. He's now he he's now the outfielder. Yeah, see and that's and that was the thing because of because of how they were playing him they were making him the DH because of, it was some weird thing that if he got pulled from the game they weren't putting him back out into the field because he was technically penciled in as the DH and you can't take your DH and put him into the field. Unlike in the American in the national league where if, yeah, if you wanted to take your pitcher and now put him out in right field, you could do that. Yeah. That's a so, shitty rule. That's a shitty yeah. rule. So yeah, it's because you are the pitcher. So then don't call him a DH. I'm not using the DH today. I'm just using it and put him down pitch. as pitcher. Right, you know, but because they were in the American League, you know, that's the thing that just is, yeah, with with all this stuff, it's 
it's sports would be so much better if I was just the commissioner of every fucking league. <laughs> Telling you, I might, I might even be able to make soccer entertaining. Oh boy, oh <laughs> nah, boy, probably, probably not. I, and on that, fi- the final note as we sign off. I guess it's been announced that we're getting a lacrosse team, a professional fucking yes. lacrosse team. The good news is every great seat is still available. <laughs> uh, Joe, I thought I thought I saw your name on the top of the list and the only name on the list for the season tickets. The only seats they're selling are going to be on house seats where they give them away for free. <laughs> Hey man, you you might be able to get a nice tie-in, you know, an FSW sponsorship, and uh, you know, there'll be more people at the WNBA game. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh man! Well, everyone, just remember uh, this Sunday, six p.m. Uh, Pacific time, you can catch uh, the High Octane show, um, and. Uh, you know, catch it on uh, the network six ninety nine a month, or and, come and on don't down. Forget to the after show Q and A with Joe DeFalco, just forty dollars each. You can ask me whatever you want. You know, we might have to facilitate uh, one of those at some point here. And hey, uh, you know what? A night with Jake the Snake Roberts, a night with Joe DeFalco. You know what I mean? You know, hey, a little. You've heard uh, all this- You've heard all his stories. A lot of people haven't heard my stories. <laughs> well, I think after 101 episodes, uh, people are starting to, to get a little more diversified in the Joe yeah, Brett, stories. Brett the Thread had the nerve to say, oh, yeah, it's a lot of the same stuff over and over. Excuse me, motherfucker. <laughs> and I said, if it's true, that's Matt's fault. He's the one who asked the fucking questions. All I do is answer them. So Brett well, the Threat yeah. got some some heat with you. Uh, too many repeat questions, he said. By the way. All right. Well, you know what? Um, fans are are uh, encouraged to uh, to send us questions. Um, just hit us up, Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting with the Z at uh, gmail dot com. Yeah, I'll, I'll answer all the questions. You know, why is Joe DeFalco a piece of shit? You know, I'll answer that. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, yeah, Brett, if you have any uh, you have any questions, man, just just let me know, and we'll uh, we'll grill Joe. And I got a feeling, as I said that, they're all going to be. How come Brett's not the champion? Yeah, just don't give him the link this time, okay? <laughs> hey, I I never gave him the link. He just the dude is There's, smart, man. He yeah, knows how I, they. No, he's not. Don't lie. Uh-oh. You're, you're going to become a soundbite again uh, uh, for, for how much you you hate the <laughs> this person or that person. I hate everybody. Well, on that happy note, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I got to go get the white, I gotta go get the white food before she's mad at me. So. There we go. There we go. All right, everyone. Take care, and we'll see you guys next time.